your ability to embrace more discomfort is directly correlated to the amount of expansion you will experience. Contrast is the thrill of entrepreneurship. It is the stresses and the successes. You wouldn't know one without the other. And so I think that being willing to show yourself what you're made of, to have the courage to think to yourself, like, how good can I get? How peaceful can this be? How easy can it be? How brave can I be? How big can I be? Show yourself what you're capable of. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to the Kathy Heller Podcast. We have a great episode for you today. My friend Jill Stanton is here and we had such a real, honest conversation about what's going on in our lives, our businesses, our marriage, both of our marriages. It's really good. And um, just want to give you another one of those like real just snapshot moments. We had a really good weekend. I feel really grateful that my kids are back in the same school for a second year in a row, which just feels really good. I feel really settled because through COVID, we like moved back and forth to Florida. And I was just really feeling this like constant, like, where am I supposed to live? Where are we supposed to stay? And that feeling, it's just so fascinating, right? How we all have these like old tapes in our head and certain people have those tapes in relationships. Certain people have those tapes with their weight. Certain people have those tapes with money stuff. Mine always comes down to home. Like where is home? And it's probably because growing up, my home was one of those places that never felt calm and safe. And my parents broke up and then we we moved a bunch of times. And so it's just, it feels really good that my kids are settled and they're back in the same school they were in last year. And there's a sense of community. And we had so many different beautiful play dates over the weekend. Friday night, we had a few families over. Saturday, my kids were invited to two different play dates. And then today, two different families uh, we just invited them. So that's been really cool. Really, really cool. I also had another moment this weekend that maybe you can relate to where I've really been trying to be consistent with not abandoning myself. And I was having a conversation with someone and I offered to do things and said yes to doing things that I didn't want to do. Like my whole body was like, don't take that on. Or why are you saying that you're going to do that? You can't be doing more stuff right now. And then I had that like hangover feeling because I really knew that in that moment I was just going back to an old pattern in my mind that makes me feel like I just have to constantly overdo it and that if anybody needs anything it's my job it's like somehow I'm like overly responsible for everyone who ever needed anything or had any pain and boy is that an exhausting way to live so I don't know if you have ever felt that but today I reached out to the person and I said listen I can't say yes to that. And I just have too much on my plate. And uh, it just felt good to honor myself. I'm like, I'm 44 years old and it's like still just very much a thing, learning how to just enjoy my own time and not take on all the things because there's never an end. If you're the kind of person who's always been that way, like people will just find you somehow and just expect you to be their person and take it on. And so that feels big. 
It also feels big to have this conversation with Jill today. She has been so helpful. She and I have had a bunch of behind the scenes conversations, which have really helped me. And I think that we need these kinds of talks with other women because sometimes we're feeling so sad, so frustrated, so alone in our marriage or so we're just lost. Like we're at a season in our business and we know that we're supposed to change the dynamic with our team or or raise our price or whatever it is that we just can't see. It's like you can't read the label from within the jar, right? And so there's a way in which somebody outside of us who cares about us, especially if they've been through or they're going through the same thing, can be so helpful. And so that's, by the way, one of my most favorite things that's happening in my life right now is we created this membership called The Quilts. And it's just phenomenal. We had our kickoff call last week. We had our first session last week. And it was just amazing. Like we went around and women were able to share the things that they're really struggling with, things that they're also so excited about. We also played fun games like this or that. Are you watching The Office? Or are you watching Friends? Are you eating gummies? Or are you eating chocolate? Like we just laughed and we cried together and we meditated together and we held the space and I love this group. So if you want to join us in this group, we have a call every single Thursday. It's truly a place for honest to God, sisterhood, encouragement, growth, and there'll be coaching in there as well. You can go to kathyheller.com slash quilt and you can sign up. And I believe you can still use the discount code love to get yourself a sweet discount. Also, the other thing I want to tell you about is that this week, Amy Porterfield's training begins. It's several days where she'll be live with you. She was the person who got me started in the online space. Because of her, I have a multi-million dollar business. Because of her, I started that multi-million dollar business before I even had a podcast. I started teaching an online course and it was one of my songwriting students in that online course that suggested that I start a podcast. So Amy was my beginning before I even began this podcast. And that first class that I started, I launched it. First time I made 147 grand. The second time I launched that class, we made 441 grand. And by the end of 12 months, that class made a million dollars. And I started a podcast because of it. And then I just got so much understanding from Amy in how to navigate the online space and how to do it in a way that felt like you could have integrity. And so it's life-changing and this training is phenomenal. And she's doing five different live days with all kinds of perks and bonuses and workbooks. It's such good stuff. If you have the bandwidth for it, you should join it. You should do it with a friend. I think it's only $47 and it's phenomenal. She didn't have that when I was first learning from her. I think her her most inexpensive thing was like a thousand bucks, but this is $47. You can join it by going to kathyheller.com slash Amy. I think you will absolutely love it. All right, well, let's get into today's episode. So Jill Stanton is back. She's a serial entrepreneur, founder of the Millionaire Girls Club and her first million. And she's a world traveler who's really embodied what it means to manifest a dream life on her own terms. She's been on the podcast before to talk about how she and her husband, Josh, grew their business. It used to be called Screw the 9 to 5. But nowadays, she leads luxury retreats and has a social club for powerful women who are making over a million dollars. And for the women who haven't hit that financial milestone yet, she also teaches courses on how to make your first million in less than 12 months. So she's definitely all about helping women generate abundance and stepping into their power. I'm so excited for her, not only because of the business she's built, but also because of how she's handling all the things in her life, being a mom, being married, being authentic. And in this conversation, we both get really vulnerable about the recent shakeups we both have had in our marriage this summer and how we've been able to navigate these major shifts. 
It's such an important conversation, so you're definitely going to want to stick around for the whole thing. Without further ado, please welcome the incredible Jill Stanton. Jill, I am so truly fully excited to be with you. So thrilled that we get to hear you and learn from you. So thank you for making the time, which is no small thing since it's 5 a.m. your time and you're here <laughs> looking your best. I'm so excited. Anytime I get to jam with you is a good day in my book. So I'm super excited to see what comes up today. That's awesome. I feel the exact same way. And uh, ever since I met you, I just feel like you have this really beautiful balance of being so fierce and so lovable. And Mm -hmm. it's been so cool to watch you take your seat at the table and lead women because you are such a kind human also has the equal strength to your kindness. And that strength is constantly calling women up and saying, you belong here. Let's freaking move, right? And that's very unique to be that strong and also to raise your hand and be willing to lead, especially since girls can be all kinds of in their own way. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) So um, I want to talk about that. I want to start with that. What was it that made you reinvent yourself over the last few years You already had a successful company. You were already doing really cool stuff. You were already creating lots of income in ways that had a lot of purpose attached to it. But then there was like this whisper from your soul that just got louder and louder. And you just like made this turn into a new path. And maybe you can tell us a little bit about why, why that was. Do you remember me telling you like back in the day, like 2019 when I had the idea? So yes, you're right. I had a good thing going. And this was not like a a convenient vision to have. But I was just telling the story yesterday. It hit me like a lightning bolt. And if anyone knows human design, I'm like so off the deep end with human design. Me too. I love it. What is your age? A manifester. Obviously, me too. Do you know your profile lines? It's a six two. Six two role model energy. It's like the ultimate permission slip. And so my authority for anyone who knows Splenic, I'm a Splenic manifester as well. Um, and so this idea hit me like a lightning bolt. And I was on the back of a scooter. Josh was driving. We were going through the rice fields of Ubud, Bali. It was March 2019. I had just finished reading A Happy Pocket Full of Money. So I was like all high vibe. Josh and I had just shut down like every single program and offer we had in our business that no longer served us. Like I was in this place of ultimate freedom, like the courage to go after what we wanted. And so I was feeling good. And this hit me like a lightning bolt. And I turned to Josh and I was like, I want to run luxury retreats for women at a million dollars plus. And he's like, I love this idea. I was like, I'm going to call it the Millionaire Girls Club. He's like, yes. When are you going to run your first one? I was like, hey, Probably never because I was just so intimidated. I feel like you watched me like navigate the throes of my own fear around this. I had had so many years, like 10 plus years of very isolating, humiliating, degrading experiences with females. And so then a vision to drop in for me to hold space for like the most powerful women. I was just like, no. <laughs> That is not for me, but I could not shake it. It never left me. And so finally in like September, October, 2020, I was like, screw it. I'm just going to do it. Like what's the worst that could happen? 
bought the domain, started like allowing myself to see like, what could this be? What could I do? How would I market it? Who would come? And I didn't really move forward. I hid in plain sight for honestly, like until a couple months ago, (laughs) because I was just, I had a lot of healing to do for my own stuff. Like I had a lot of like excavation to do. Like, why am I scared about this? What is holding me back? What am I nervous will happen? And so I did the last two years. I I feel like I've walked through the fire in my own life in order to become the version of myself who can lead this powerful crew. And so it's just been a process of like learning about myself doing my healing work, going to bat for myself, having the courage to lean into some really hard conversations, set bigger standards in my life and continuing to move forward as that, like my North Star and what I want to create. And just so much has opened up off the back of that, even off my first retreat. Like I went into my first retreat being like, I don't know. Like we have such a good thing going with screw the nine to five. Like, will I like this retreat? And even on the first day, the girls were like, are you going to do another one? I was like, no, like after day two, I was like, I'm all made bitches. Like, yeah, literally. <laughs> That's so fierce. The greatest thing I had ever done. I couldn't unsee it. It's the greatest thing you've ever done for so many reasons. One, because you met your own edge and that mm. is so personally healing for you to excavate all that resistance and just like blow that door open. I find it so fascinating that When I talk to women behind closed doors, so to speak, they have no Mm -hmm. problem telling me how much they want to have more abundance in their life. They have no problem telling me how that's the thing that's really frustrating is that they want more money. But when I talk to them, they then feel ashamed, right? It's like, who would I be if I said out loud that I have a value around being a millionaire? Right. Mm -hmm. Because there's so much insidious brainwashing that's been passed down where like for men and I'm generalizing, but this is pretty much the truth. They feel that that's their job. Like they feel they're a better guy if they make more money. And so for them, they feel that's being responsible. They want to say that out loud. These are my goals. This is what I want to hit. And we're like, good on you. Good on you. Yeah. But if a woman, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then that's, that's all that they get. But if a woman is standing in her full desire and her full allowing and her full energy of power, there's crazy fear of judgment. Mm -hmm. And I think what's fascinating about that. And I've been talking about this recently. Priyanka Chopra and I spoke about this and she said what she wants women to really hear clearly is that Mm -hmm. her greatest resistance for her in her journey was other women. It was the way other women gave her shade as she continued to just step into her courage. And she said, that's, that's the biggest poison because the greatest reward is the opposite where women would gather together, give each other full support, especially after thousands of years of being denied our rights you would think that women would see another woman and like shine her crown, like put it in bold colors. What's special about you? Like you and I have fully benefited from the few girls who we could trust, who would encourage us. I don't think there's any way I would be here without 
you and the friends like you who fully stood for what was possible within me and then just cheered me on, you know, and mm-hmm. celebrated with me as well as cried with me when things were hard. That's what you're doing. And I, I want you to speak to that. I want to know what gets like stirred up for you when I talk about that. A couple of things. So one, I think the like thought around money, the emotions around money for most people is always rooted in shame. Yeah. Shame and like scarcity. And so we're taught like if you want a lot of it, that's bad. Right. Filthy, rich, dirty, you know, and like right. all of that kind of stuff. And so when women see other women doing that, it's almost like they reflect back to them what they're not allowing themselves to have wow. or go for or become. And so that is the projection. The projection is like, how dare you? You know what I mean? Like, who do you think you are? And mm-hmm. what they're really saying is, who do I not think I am? And so when you can like step back from that, when you can like realize what's really going on here, you're like, oh, I get it. Like I I have compassion for her because she's just not allowing herself to experience what she truly wants to experience. Don't brag. I love that. Right. Because like, don't be too much. You know, Shh, calm down. you don't need to be that. Much. How much did we all hear that? Like I heard that all the time growing up. It's like, don't be too loud. Don't be too bossy. Don't be a show off. Don't be too much. Don't do too many dance routines. Like all these things that I would do because I was just like a big personality straight out of the gate. And that's not always appreciated. Um, and so then the other piece around like the women part of it, like getting your heart broken around that, that was my biggest. Like I have had to do so much work around that for myself. And I feel like that's why I can support the women that I support because I am on that journey myself. I am peeling back. I am doing the excavation. And so, for example, like one of the, I had a couple of women at my first retreat say, are you going to open a mastermind after this? And I was like, hell no, like absolutely not. And they're like, why? And I was like, I don't want one. But then they kept asking. So I was like, why don't I want one? Like, that seems like a very natural step post retreat is like, come on into the club. And so then I realized, well, what I'm really scared of is getting attacked again or getting my heart broken again. And the like underneath that is the strong desire for deep connection. And so if I just heal the like, what if I get my heart broken again, which is anticipating rejection, anticipating judgment, anticipating abandonment, which I don't know if that'll happen for sure. I'm just assuming it will. Well, if the flip side of that is like deeply craving sisterhood and a safe place, I think that's the big thing. Like I find with my clients, at least, and myself, like I deeply want safety with women so that they can see me in my, in my bigness. We can cheer for each other. No one gets triggered by each other's success. Like it is very much like I want to make a hundred million. I want to sell for 300 million. I'm at five million. It's like it's normalized there. And that once I realized that that's what I really wanted. Well, then my number one job became healing that wound so I could step into that. And I think that's the piece that people miss is they allow their triggers or their wounds to just like unconsciously guide them without doing any kind of exploration or excavation. And that's where your power comes from is when you cultivate this emotional intelligence, like you just become unshakable. Yeah, it's so true. And I love that we're having this conversation. I don't think that there's any amount of this conversation that would ever be enough. And it's fascinating because I took my daughters last week. We went to see Taylor Swift. It was her last show of this tour. It was really fun. And it's fascinating because 
there was a period of time where she was getting so much hate, so much shade was thrown at her. She turned off her comments on Instagram and she had to make a decision if she was going to let it take her down, which Mm -hmm. most sane people, even with the best of support, the best family, that does it. That breaks you. Or Mm -hmm. she could make a decision that she was going to just keep going. And then here she is so generously. I mean, Mm. she's fulfilling her her duty in an hour and a half. She's on stage for three and a half hours. She doesn't take an intermission. And in spite of it, in spite of all of it, she kept going. And now what does she do? She says to everybody, come with me. You can do this. And here's Mm -hmm. stadiums filled with moms and their daughters. And now they look at her and they're like, wow, mad respect, right? Mm -hmm. But you have to think about that and understand how the way people are, just psychologically, what you said about how triggering it is for people, you have to know that and hold what is in the highest and best anyway. Because ultimately, now what do they do? They don't want to tear her down. Now they're like, oh my gosh. You know, there's like five women, like she's one, Reese Witherspoon is one, where we're like, oh, God bless you. You've opened the door for us. But on the way up, no, no, ma'am. It was not like that. No, ma'am. You have to like see it. You have to really see it and appreciate that. And then ask yourself, so which path are you going to take, right? Which path are you going to take? Because we all know not only did Taylor Swift's concert literally change the economy for the whole country, mm. and that's how big it is, but we're seeing a woman give bonuses to truck drivers. We're seeing what women do when we are stewards of wealth, mm-hmm. and you get to decide what's the outcome. Choose your own adventure, right? But in order to do that, it's not like she's a unicorn. She was given so much hate. It was there. It was a big part of her journey. Mm-hmm. And now look where she is now. Beyonce's on tour also. And Beyonce's amazing. But look at the tours. Look at what's happening, right? And mm-hmm. we all remember, we all remember the video music awards, right? And how she got all this hate, right? And she was compared to Beyonce and that could have mm-hmm. taken her down. It's just a great example for all of us to really don't just give it lip service, like take this in. Because you are braver than you give yourself credit for. And you do have the capacity. We all have the capacity. That's why people love seeing you succeed, Jill. Because at the end of the day, we don't want to sit in our trigger. We want to grow. Well, and can I just say, like, yeah. given that I love human design, with the Taylor Swift thing, I often wonder if she's a five line. <laughs> because five lines have the projection line. People will pedestal you and tear you down. Like, one second, I love you. You're the greatest thing. Oh my God, you're showing what women can do. And then the next second is like, yeah, who do you think you are? You know, like, it's just like nonstop. Like, we love you. We hate you. We love you. We hate you. And so I wonder if that's been a theme throughout her life. I mean, she's had so many seasons where people are like, dare she. So I often well, on the, on the stuff human, like that. On the human design front, I'll just say this one last thing, which is that when I had my human design read for the first time, like in depth, like over a couple hours of like going into it. Alexandra says to me, she's like, listen, let me tell you something about manifestors. She's like, you're not a manifesting generator. You're a manifestor. 9% of the world is not a manifestor. She's like, your job is to repel people. If you're not repelling somebody, you're not actually in your truth. You're apologizing. She's like, manifestors clear a path. So they're going to move some trees, right? Like you're not supposed to make everybody happy, make everyone feel good. 
you're coming to create a new path in the world. And that's what you do. And so she's like, you'll know if you're actually on and tapped in, if someone's being repelled somewhere. And if they're not, you know, you're hiding, you know, you're playing small. And I thought that was, it was like, you said permission. It was full on permission to be myself. A couple of things is like the responsibility of being a Manny. Like I have a few clients who are Mannies and they almost like don't love it. Like I'm like weirdly cocky about being a manifester. I'm like, well, we're the greatest. <laughs> I'm kidding to all the Mannies, MGs and generators and projectors. But the responsibility of initiating literally everything in your life, literally everything, every idea, Every relationship, every conversation, every opportunity. I don't think that actually sat like really resonated with me until this year where I like so many things. Like I initiated new pathways in my business, a new division called her first million. I initiated a massive, what would I say? Um, just my husband and I just walked through a goddamn portal this year because I like basically threw a grenade into our marriage because it was very misaligned for a while. And I was like, so I had to initiate a new way of doing that, a new level of clarity. I've had to initiate new ideas. I've had to initiate clients. I've had to like, that is the responsibility of a manifester is realizing like, no one's going to come do it for us. We are the idea havers. We are the rocket ships. We are the initiators and allowing yourself to be that and realize that like, yes, you are going to have to initiate everything. Yes, most people won't come and do it for you. Yes, it is innate power if you can harness it. And the repelling thing that has been so, I feel like on a subconscious level, that's hindered me in a big way because I have so much stuff around that that I've been working to heal. But like, it is glaringly obvious to me <laughs> small I played in in yeah. MGC up until this year I didn't have sales pages I was like I didn't have a team I didn't have I had an event planner but like I didn't have anything because I was like nah yeah I don't need it like I'm good I'm like we've got a good thing going on over here meanwhile knowing it's my fucking purpose so that all in its own has been a journey it's huge and I feel like for everybody just know that whether in human design you're a manifest or not, if you're leading, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're in business, so much of that applies to you. So much of that mm-hmm. applies to you. And like I often say, it seems to me like one of the biggest problems people have in business is not a business problem. It's a codependency problem. And mm-hmm. I've just gotten to this point where when people troll me or say things in comments, I say to my team, I'm like, do not delete it. Like it's mm. supposed to be there. If I'm doing a good job, it should be there. I love and it's, that. It's a cool place to be where I now know when I see it, I'm like, you're in your projection. You're in your, and I don't even comment. I'm just allowing it. I just know it's there. It's such a great place to be because in order for you to have a business, you cannot sit in because you have to stand out. You have to, and you have to make a decision. Do you, do you have the courage to stand out? So I want to go deeper. I'm so excited to talk about this. Jill just released this not so long ago. It's called Her First Million. What a mm-hmm. great, it's not just the premise. It's that you really know how to do this. It's that you really, you know, you, you've done this years ago and over and over and over again, you've made millions and now you're helping women to do this in a very clear, concise, really important. It's just so important that we all, women should have big checkbooks. So this is so important. Tell us a little bit about Let's dive into her first million. First of all, what do you think 
prevents women from making their first million? What's the first thing that comes to your mind when I say that? I mean, do I have to pick one? Because I think it's like Go, a trifecta. Go. Identity. Identity, number one. Like, I think that's huge. Go I think on. that Say more. hinders people more than they realize is like how they see themselves, what they believe about themselves. I think that one's big. So identity, number one, because that's the like kingpin to everything that you create. Like you can create success with like a shitty identity, of course. But will you hang on to it? Will it be enjoyable? Will it be sustainable? Will it be peaceful? Probably. And so identity number one, offer like something that is scalable and controllable and enjoyable, like an offer suite. And then the second, third is a sales process that they can do over and over again that feels good to them. So many people are like, oh, I hate selling. Well, it's just because you're not, you're doing something that's like against what you want to be doing. And so like, instead of being like, I hate sales, which is the lifeblood of your business, figure out the pathway you do want to do. You know what I mean? And so I love launches and I love evergreen high ticket selling. So like, what do I want to do? I want to do evergreen and then I'm going to do like a little couple bursts of intakes or launches or promotions or whatever it is. Like allowing yourself to create that pathway for yourself. Get clear on that. Try a bunch of shit. Figure out what you like. Figure out what you don't like. Figure out what works. Figure out what does not work. And then amp up what does and cut what doesn't. I was saying this to you in Voxer. Like I think so many people like are constantly chasing and thinking that they're not there yet. But like the expansion it happens in the slowness and success is not an event. It is something that is built over time. And I think people are chasing the event. If I just do this one thing, then I'll be Oprah Ridge. Like, no, you know what I mean? It happens over time. I mean, look at you. I remember when we first connected back in what, 2018, maybe 2019 or something like that. Like you were just starting to make really good cash with your stuff, you know? And then boom, 2020, all these million dollar launches. Boom, 2021 is like stratospheric for you. You know, like it happened yeah. over time. It wasn't like, bing, I'm on the scene. Now I'm Oprah Rich, you know? And yeah. so you had to become a version of yourself. You had to allow yourself to feel okay with the projections and leaving them in your comments. You had to become okay and rooted in who you are. You know, you've done so much work on yourself, Kathy, right? Oh, right? Like, yes, who you are now is very different to the Kathy I met back in 2018. That didn't happen like in one go. It couldn't. You weren't the version of you who is able, like who has the capacity energetically, operationally to hold that kind of success. No, and 100%. So, it's like your nervous system has to catch up. Yes. And, and yes. integrate as, as you know you're it's growing. safe. Yes, totally. You're so right. I'm not the same person and neither are you. But what we both had then, which was like the bedrock of all of it, was mm-hmm. a tremendous amount of humility, lots of passion, and tons of tenacity. It was just like, let's go. So whatever we could possibly see over the horizon we were going to reach for that next piece. And then you're right. It slowly starts, the Rubik's Cube starts to get put together. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about these three pieces. You talked about identity first. What's the subconscious way that you help people reprogram so that they can take on that new identity? What's some of the stuff that you see that's in there? And what are some of the things that worked for you to change that identity? I think the 
first thing is always getting clear on what you currently believe about your ability to make a million dollars or multi-millions or whatever it's going to be for someone, right? Like, what do you currently believe about that? Money's bad. Guilt, shame. Am I good enough? Is this greedy? Like all the things like, what if people think bad about me? Like, I think so many people slow themselves down by getting tripped up and what will people think of me if? Yes. I know I did. That was like such a hindrance for me. And if I look at my earlier stuff, I see it all over myself. Like I see the like fear and the proving energy all over myself because I was like trying to be that version of myself versus just being that version of myself. I was like trying to be it so that I can control the perception of it versus just being it and allowing people to have their perception. And so current beliefs, like what do I currently believe about my ability to create FU money or to create peaceful success or, you know, to have the love of my life or to have the family of my dreams or whatever it is. What do I currently believe about that next? And the reason we do that, I should say this, the reason we do that is to build like in the moment awareness. Because once you know what you currently believe, like that awareness, that is the first domino to change. And when it comes up again, like, um, you know, oh, how are you going to do that? Or do you really need that much? Or whatever it is, when that comes up again, you can start to spot it as it's coming up for you. And most people will trip themselves up being like, I can't believe I'm still thinking this. But it's like, no, I'm building awareness. Like I just caught myself in the disempowered behavior. Like, I'm building awareness right now. And now I have the power to shift it. So what do I want to believe? And then the second piece of that is the decisions. I think this gets overlooked in the game of manifestation is the power of decisions. Yes. It's like something I won't shut up about lately because it's so lovely to know where you want to go and all the things you want to have. But like, who is that version of you? I think is the biggest piece. Like, what decisions does she make? What standards does she hold for her life? What boundaries does she have? Like, what actions does she take? Like, for example, using my own life as an example, I knew that I wanted my marriage to be totally different to what it was, right? I knew I wanted Josh and I to be realigned. I wanted us to be like reconnected and like, I wanted to have sexy makeouts, all the things. So what's a decision I had to make? I had to open up one of the hardest, scariest combos of my life, right? But I am the type of chick who sees herself having that kind of marriage. And so my only move there was to make the decision to open up the conversation. And then the action that backs the decision is opening up a conversation and being a manifester. (laughs) I had to initiate one of the hardest, scariest combos in my life. And my hubby, who's an MG, it gave him a chance to respond. Like it was like he, I don't even recognize him anymore, truthfully. Like in the context of our marriage, like, Who we are, I don't even recognize us from four months ago. We are just, it's like we walk through a portal and we're in a different world. Like I just, but I believe we have that because I made the decision to open up a conversation, which felt wildly intimidating and very uncertain. And so another example of that could be, I want to learn from this person. This version of me has like a badass coach in her life or a badass mentor who like, reminds her of who she is or helps her navigate life or whatever it is. Well, what's the decision? The decision would be to reach out and start a conversation with that person. What does it look like to work together? And then the action would be investing in the thing. You know what I mean? I think so many people like get white knuckle energy around money. It's like this clingy first date energy around money, thinking that it's like this finite resource and like, oh my God, I'll lose it. 
But if you just relax into it and think about it from the future version of you, well, she's killing the game. And so you can just go ahead and assume that you're going to figure out how to make money because you're the type of person who knows how to make money. You know what I mean? I think a lot of people get themselves in that disempowered mindset in their identity as well as they like start to, they try to like put plans in place for how they're going to make money versus just reminding themselves, I'm the type of chick who knows how to make a lot of money. And like that belief, yep, it fuels your decisions and your actions and your feelings and your thoughts and all of that, you know, but that level of identity, I am the type of chick who insert empowering belief here is where it starts. It's literally like taking a swig of the best medicine to hear you say it. It, it, it works instantly. Everything you say goes in. It works. It's so true. I hear people tell me all the time that things take time to manifest and it takes alignment of courage to make a decision. Mm -hmm. It takes a moment where you're ready to make the decision. Like we will sit here and you could have the notion that it's going to take time, but really it happens in a second that you make the choice. You take that courageous step and you line up with all these things that you've been holding yourself apart from. You just Mm -hmm. choose them. You choose them. And I remember speaking of identity, my first job in Los Angeles, when I started to make a little money, I was working for a guy who owned a billion and a half dollars of commercial real estate. And I met him at the Cheesecake Factory in line and started working for him, knowing nothing about real estate. He's like, you have a great personality. Come work for him. Like, okay, fine. And I would go with him to lunches or I would go with him to the golf course and People would talk about hundreds of millions of dollars like it was going to get a loaf of bread. It was just, Mm, that was their normalized. And I turned to him one day and I was like, gosh, it's amazing that the new normal that I'm sitting in, just listening to the conversations. And Mm -hmm. he said, you know, we all have the same hours in a day, right? And it's just a decision about what is it that you are up to? What question are you asking? What is the Rubik's Cube? You could spend all day selling shoes at Macy's, or you could spend the same day selling a Rolls Royce, or you could spend the same day developing a building. And then what do you do? You get resourceful any way you do it. If you're working at Macy's as a shoe salesman, eventually you're going to figure out, okay, what's the best way to like talk to the people on the floor and what are the better shoes to offer them, right? Or how do I really get these customers to come back and be repeat buyers? It takes the same skill Mm -hmm. as saying, I want to develop a piece of land. Okay, where do you start? What's the next question you ask? The next question is like, let me talk to somebody about that. Let me figure out what's involved. Oh, I need to raise capital. How do I raise that capital? Maybe I should have someone make a rendering of what we could do on this land. Who am I going to talk to? Oh, I'm going to get this person, this person. We'll give some of the money back to the eco, you know, to help the environment. I mean, I'm making this up as we speak. It takes the same skill, right? And I'm sitting here like, wow, she knows a lot about this. And I know nothing. I literally just made that up. But it's like, If you want to create a movie, right? You want to go raise money for a movie. It's a startup just like any other startup, right? So you can sell toothbrushes or you can be Brian Grazer and raise money for a beautiful mind. He's he's like, I did it just like that. I started having conversations with people who cared about schizophrenia, started asking them what they would want, started getting people involved. Next thing you know, we raise all this money. We hire Russell Crowe. We make a blockbuster hit. Like it's the same day, but it's about the identity. What is the question? Who am I? And then that decision, right? Like this is the puzzle I'm solving today, right? And we'll have that capacity. And I think one belief or like one self-belief that really supports people is I am the type of chick who's resourceful. Like if you're resourceful, you'll figure out a way. Get it done. And I think 
I think there's this like weird thing online, probably because we've had so many years of using marketing around it's easy. And so they associate easy with quick. But like anyone who's been in the game knows it's not quick. You know what I mean? It can be quick and it can also be a long time. It's both, right? You like want it's, it overnight it's up to you. Way. You wouldn't even have the capacity. You'd burn right. it to the ground because you'd be like, why do I deal with all these clients? Like your clients would have a bad experience. You would have a bad experience. Your team would have a bad experience. You know what I mean? Like you just don't have the operational capacity at that level when you're just new to hit it straight out of the gate. So there's like logistical reasons as well, but like a true empowering self-belief would be I am resourceful. I think another one is like, I trust myself. That one is like, I think that's the biggest win of 2020 for me so far is I deeply, deeply, deeply trust myself now. I'm just like, I'm good. I know I trust myself. I know I can do it. I know I can make money. I know I can do this, that, or everything. Like I trust myself. I know no matter what, I'm always going to, I'm always going to have myself. And so I don't like vice grip it so much. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, it's good. I trust myself. Like I know what I'm doing. That's such a big one. Let's talk about the second thing you mentioned in these in this trifecta, which is really important, which is what is the offer, right? Like what is the offer means? Does it does it have market fit? You know, do people want it? And also, is it something sustainable because you want it? I see all the time women building businesses that they then hate running. They're like, yes, I really wanted to do something else. I just thought this could be like a quick thing. It's like, no, no, you're going to be in this, right? So you want to know that you get to do it that way. You get to pick something that really feels like a fit for you and you get to find something that's a fit for the world. And it's not impossible, right? But we have to really be intentional about it. And so Jill, what do you want to say about that that helps people to understand their offers better? I think and this is going to be like a weird answer, but if we're strictly talking about like, I want to make millions of dollars, I think one thing that is often overlooked in the offer game is like, uh, lifetime value of a customer. Cause when you're only ever selling lower ticket stuff, hundred dollars, 500,000, whatnot, you're going to have a lower LTV, right? You're going to need more customers in order to make a million dollars. Whereas if you sell higher ticket stuff or, and if you have an ascension model, like you have low ticket and mid ticket and high ticket, it's much easier to hit a million dollars like that. And it gives people beautiful opportunities to continue to ascend in your world, work with you in a deeper way. And so I'm current, well, I can only share my perspective, but I'm a huge believer in the pay to play model. It's like something Josh and I have been doing since 2020 because we started noticing lead costs going up, engagement rate, show up rates going down with anyone who signs up for free stuff. And so a line in the cement we drew was, we only do paid stuff now. Like that is how we roll. And so our first entryway into our world with MGC, with previously screw the nine to five was always a paid offer. Low ticket, we call it a starter offer. But this is a thing that is like, essentially you are walking someone, this applies to, I should say, course creators and coaches and membership site owners, not like physical products. But the thing I've seen work over and over again is having a low cost entry product in your suite, right? And so the starter offer, this typically teaches the what and the why of your framework, right? And you can sprinkle on some how to make it extra juicy and whatnot. But essentially what you're doing with the starter offer is one, you're using it to acquire customers, right? So we're starting to shift our focus away from just 
building an audience of freebie seekers, an audience of free leads, and we're starting to build an audience of customers. We're growing our customer base. We are paying active attention to growing our customer base because as we start to acquire more customers, well, what do customers do? They continue to work with the brands they love. And so it's much easier to upgrade a client when they or a customer when they come in on a low ticket offer. And so, like I said, this typically looks like the framework of your signature offer, teaches the what and the why with some how sprinkled in. It's sub $50 and you can use it as the entry point in all of your marketing. It becomes a focal point, whether that's on social media, your podcast, your email marketing, your funnels, ads, all of that. And the beautiful part about this starter offer, especially if you're driving traffic, is it liquidates your ad spend, which is ridiculously helpful because then you can scale really fast and basically for free because you know that you have a starter offer that one, converts, two, recoups the cost, and three, you can have other optional upgrades or enhancements that allow you to help increase your average order value. And then from there, once you have that starter offer, we either nurture and put people into a launch or we sell into Evergreen. Right. And so that could be through email funnels. That could be through calls. That could be through retargeting. That could be through, I mean, I've never done evergreen webinars, but maybe they still work. My preference is always selling evergreen through into high ticket through calls. That's just what I like personally. But, you know, there's so many ways to do this. Or like I said, you nurture people on a list through your podcast, through your weekly content, your social media, emails, all of that. And then you put them into a launch where you then sell your signature program. And then once someone comes into your signature program, this is typically what, like one to four grand. And then once someone comes through that, then the next step is your scalable offer. And this is where we really start to hit some traction. People can work with you in a higher, deeper capacity. This could also be a membership if you want to like kind of go down in price but you, you're looking for big volume. If you want to have a mastermind, group coaching, one-on-one coaching, whatever that is, done-for-you services, whatever that could be, the point is to continue to move people up your offer suite and so that you can continue to serve them. Obviously, increase your LTV. And that, I believe, is one of the quickest ways to make a million dollars. It's huge. You were, one of, you were one of the first people I had ever heard who was doing a paid launch and at first I was like, oh my gosh, I don't think I could ever do that. I've already now figured out how to have seven figure launches. I think that's going to blow up my business. But eventually enough people were doing that. I was like, okay, let me try it. And our conversion rate for those who pay for the launch, like you guys just watched, we just did a launch for a podcast program, which we do once a year. For $37, people could upgrade, which meant they were in the Zoom room with me. And then they also get like a workbook and they get extra time with me. They get double the time mm-hmm. during the launch. of people who pay for our launches buy the class. Like the contrast is 3%. Yeah. The conversion rate for our launch is 3%, except if you look at the, the, the amount of people that show up live for us, it's actually high. Like the amount of people who actually show up to our launch, which is very different than people who join your launch. We'll have like Mm 10,000 people sign up for a launch. Let's say a thousand people. We'll show up live, but we will have 50% of those live people join the class, which is amazing. But we will have 47% of the people who opt in to the paid, they will, they will join it, which is, which is huge considering if you think of the people who opt in out of 10,000, we're bringing in 500 of those people who, cause they, it was free. So you know what? They don't show up for yeah. it. They don't even make exactly. it. <laughs> they lose all of that value. They don't even realize what they missed out on. Right. So that is huge. And what I love about what Jill's saying is for you to really get it, whether you're doing live launches 
or whether you're ever going to be a coach or a course creator or, or, or have services that could potentially use a live launch. Think of this for a second. Think of this game changer that she just said. When people are out there telling you that your biggest focus should be a bigger audience, she just said, mm-hmm. acquire a customer. That is so different. People mm-hmm. are playing the vanity metric game, being like, get mm-hmm. more Instagram followers. I have friends who I will not name right now who have a million followers on Instagram and make no money. Mm-hmm. And so they don't actually- Like, no, work. thank you. No, who wants that? So think about like, every business starts with one customer and then another and another and another. It's like enough already. Make the offer, focus on actually creating long-term value by having a business. <laughs> The third thing you talked about is a sales process and a process that you like and that you feel like is working for you. I think that it's fascinating, just as you say it, how much stuff people have in their mind around how they resist that. And it's just like, you can't be in business if you don't realize that you're going to make a sale in order for there to be revenue. Like, I don't understand. So what do you do for people to get them over that? Well, can I also just quick say when it comes to paid launches, like I think the biggest piece of this as well is not just like the show up. It's like they get so much more out of it. It is a better experience for them because they have skin in the game. So they show up and then you have skin in the game. So you show up. You know what I mean? Like it's a better experience for everyone. And that has a huge impact as well, because as someone has a good experience with you as a customer, they're going to talk about that stuff. You know, like your best customers can be some of your best marketing. And if that starts at like a starter offer and they continue all the way through with you, like that is enormous power in this space. You know, like how many people just cycle through offers nonstop because they're just like trying to churn people through. It doesn't have to be that way. I feel like we're stepping into a new era of like care, sincerity, transparency, resonance. Like, I just don't think the like, wild west days of online marketing will continue past much longer and then you're really gonna like show up for people have a decent track record like care which is a good thing care about what the people you care about care about one of the best things i've ever heard from john acoff care about what the people you care about care about and like serve the hell out of them and you can charge for that there's no shame in charging for that so when it comes to sales one of my favorite ways to do live sales is always through a paid launch. I just think it's it's so fun. It's so engaging. It's so lively. It's so dialed in. It's like the best energy you can have. And so if you have a program that is driven through live intakes, then putting a low ticket entry price point on your launch experience is one of the best things you can do because now it becomes an offer. And now you're going to think about it differently to be like, okay, well, what can I stack out with this to make it extra juicy for people to say yes. Like, how can I make this an easy yes for people? Right. And so we're going to have bonuses. We're going to have live calls. We're going to have Q and A. There's a pre-party. There's an after party. You know, there's like elements to this. It's not just like, yeah, I'm going to stream this on Facebook. I'm going to stream it on IG. I hope you can catch the replay. It's like, no, we have a group. There's like daily actions. There's you know, facilitation, there's Q and A's, there's mindset training, there's tactical training, there's all these things that you can do. There's bonuses you can offer, the VIP experience you can offer, which is another upgrade. I mean, there's like so many things you can do to create this cool three to five day launch experience 
that feels exciting to be a part of. You rock people's worlds. And then what's the first thing they're going to do as you present an offer, which is the obvious next step? They're going to be like, I'm in. Drop the link. I'm in. Pay in full energy only. Like, how do I work with you more? This is amazing. And that's why you're seeing things like a 47% conversion rate, right? I remember this is going to sound like such a name drop, but it's a perfect example. So Amy Porterfield worked with our team to help her with her first paid launch. And her first one did a million dollars on a $400 offer. And then she put it into her DCA launch last year and it did 25% conversion. What? Like her webinars don't even touch that. You know what I mean? And so I was just with her in Nashville and she's like, are you still going to teach paid launches inside her first million? I was like, of course, it's like the best thing ever. She's like, it is the best thing I've layered into my launches is doing some sort of paid experience for people because you just can't match that energy or that buy-in, that show up, that engagement, that follow through in a free capacity. People just don't value it anymore. They get it. It just like collects digital dust on their desktop and they're like, I'll get to it. But then what does that do? It conditions like, oh, I don't do what I say I'm going to do. I don't follow through on shit that I sign up for. So why would I pay money? Because I'm not the type of person who follows through. Like it conditions a bad habit. You know what I mean? And then they're always going to think that when they go to entertain the idea of purchasing an offer from you because they're like, well, I didn't even do anything with her free thing. And so like, what makes me think I'll do anything with the paid thing? And so that's why I'm always such a fan of putting a price ticket on things. It's so good. And I think it's interesting because I feel how many women that I meet squirm when we talk about this, because it's already hard enough for them to think of pricing anything. But then when they have to even price the experience, you know, to come meet the thing that people just like, it just goes back to show that there's so much where we're in other people's business, we're being codependent. And then there's really nowhere to go because you're stuck. Because if you're feeling choked at charging somebody, we have to be able to understand how to get through that in order for you to actually move. You have to be mm-hmm. able to charge someone. You have to be able to allow that to happen. And I I feel like I want you to help us, in your words, understand why it is essential that we charge well for what we do. Why is it actually essential and good for the customer? When people pay, they pay attention. I think that's number one. It serves them as well. Like I think so many people have negative connotations around money. But before we get into that, how many of you guys here have ever, like you've been at a coffee date or a dinner or out for a wine or a sushi or whatever it is, right? You're out with someone and they're like, let me get this. And you're like, let's just split it. Let's just split it. It's all good. I've got it. Please don't pay. Please, please don't let them pay. Has anyone ever done that? I used to do it all the time. Please let me. Yes, of course. Or compliments. You look so cute today. Oh, no. It's like, well, oh, my God. I barely slept. Whatever it is. I need Botox. How many of us have ever, like, pushed away a compliment? One thing I always say to people is if you cannot receive a compliment or a coffee or a glass of wine or a sushi lunch from a friend, how do you expect to ever receive money from a stranger? And so it's the receiving muscle that we have to work on. Receiving 
abundance, receiving payments, receiving generosity, receiving the yes. I think that like we've been so conditioned to be like, it's not good to take. But if you don't have someone who's willing to receive the money you want to invest in something, like what good does that do? They don't show up. You don't show up. Like no one has skin in the game. When people pay, they pay attention. And so it makes sense for you to charge and charge well, because how many of you would show up differently for a $500 offer than a $5,000 offer? Like on a $5,000 offer, you're going to show up and get your money's worth, right? Because you're going to be like, I'm going to utilize the hell out of this. And so I'm going to show up. I'm going to be on the calls. I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to get feedback. I'm going to do whatever it takes because I invested $5,000 in this versus 500 bucks, which is like a self-study kind of like DIY program. And you're like, yeah, I'll get to it. I might watch it at 1.5 while I'm like cooking dinner. It's just a different level of accountability, buy-in, commitment, follow through. And so I truly think the more people pay, the more skin in the game they have. And it allows you, it also serves you because now you're on the hook to provide a really great experience for people. And so I get the temptation to price low. I remember the first time I was talking to Allison Prince, you know, Allison, and she's one of my dear friends. This is in the early stages of MGC. And I was like, I think I'm going to charge like $5,000 for my retreat. And it's going to be like this five day all inclusive luxury thing. And she's like, on it, I just have to tell you, Joe, like, that sounds like the dollar store to me. And I was like, that, the fact that she reflected that to me, that was huge. Cause I realized like, oh, I actually have to up my game here. Like I have to be the type of person who can charge a lot and hold a powerful space. That's on me. Like that's my work I have to do because if I can become that version of myself, then I can continue to reinvest in my experiences. And so my first one was 10. My retreat this year and next year will be 15. And then from that, it's moving up to 20 because I want to continue to pour into the experiences. I want to rent the badass mansions. I want to have the private chefs and whatnot so that everyone feels pampered. Everything is like as bougie as it possibly can be. That stuff costs money. And so I have to charge more. And so if I want to create a good experience, if you guys want to create a good experience, it's on you. It's your responsibility to do the work to become the version of yourself who can create hold and charge for that kind of experience. Oh my gosh. It's so true. And this is why when you're learning math, you start with like making sure you know your numbers and then you learn addition and subtract and you go in this order because there needs to be a foundation. And the order you gave began with identity. And you can see that if you haven't leaned that up, mm. by the time you get here, you can't even get it off the ground. You're, it blows up yeah. again. And it's very powerful what you said about, have you ever just insisted, don't pay, don't pay for dinner or don't give me a compliment. Whatever that muscle is. I had a conversation with a therapist not too long ago and she was talking about how we have these two parts of ourselves. There's the character we've created. That's our persona. That's the part of us that we let people see. And then there's who we really are. And if the person you really are does not feel worthy or lovable, then it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you think that you're walking around and you're crushing it and you're drinking green juice and you're going to yoga and <laughs> you come off as this person with, you can come off that way on some level. But if you know that when you hit your pillow at night, there's a part of you that questions 
Mm-hmm. If you're worthy or if you're lovable, then we've got serious issues to take care of. And that will 100% be reflected in your business because a business is the ultimate magnifying glass. I think so often people like wait to feel worthy. Like, oh, I need to, I need to know my worth. Right. Bro, you need to be willing. Like, don't worry about being worthy. Like you already are. That's okay. Tick. Done. Yeah. You're good. Be willing, willing to embrace the discomfort. I think that's number one because everyone wants the expansion, the sexy stuff, right? The money, the impact, the credibility, the significance, like all of that. They want all of that sexiness, but they aren't willing to hold the discomfort that comes with that level of expansion. You can't get there from here. You have to be willing. Like your ability to embrace more discomfort is directly correlated to the amount of expansion you will experience. I truly believe it because it is contrast. Contrast is the thrill of entrepreneurship. It is the stresses and the successes. You wouldn't know one without the other. And so I think that being willing to show yourself what you're made of, to have the courage to think to yourself, like, how good can it get? How good can I get? How peaceful can this be? How easy can it be? You know, like, how courageous can I be? How brave can I be? How big can I be? Show yourself what you're capable of. That will build your confidence more than like waiting to feel worthy or waiting for the right time. Nothing irks me more as when people are like, I'm just waiting for the right time. What? There is no right time. You are the right time. Yes, it's so true. Being in the right place at the right time is knowing you already are. You know, this is it. This is a moment to employ courage. I would be remiss if I didn't just follow up as we're sort of finishing up the conversation. I do want to just follow up and say how brave it is that you did that in your marriage. I love how you say like threw a grenade into what the dynamic was to regenerate something. And I've done that every few years because I am a different human every few years. Because we're mannies. (laughs) And like who I was, we've been married 14 years We've been together 17 years. If I hung out with her, if she and I went to lunch, I would be like, come here. Come here, sister. Like, let me me tell you a few things, you know? So it is necessary and it's scary as hell to be like, okay, this is the conversation starter for tonight. You know, this is where I'm at. This is what needs to no longer exist. And if it can't exist a different way, it can't exist. Mm-hmm. And I think that one thing I got, you guys, this is so big and juicy. I was in a hypnotherapy session like six months ago and I had this like deep uncovering and I was crying and I said to the hypnotherapist, I just got it. I just got a piece of something. And she said, what is it? And I was like, I've been holding myself back a little bit because I don't want to outgrow my marriage. Like I don't want to outgrow mm-hmm. And so I went to That's him. That's a biggie. So big. So I went to him and I was like, oh my God, mayday. Like sound the alarm. <laughs> like I told him and his response was very calm, very sweet. He goes, can I tell you something? I go, what? He goes, you already have. You've already outgrown me. Whoa. I go, so what are we going to do? And he was yeah. like, oh God. And he, and oh he God. was so calm and honest. He goes, well, we have a couple choices. He goes, one is... 
let me be aware that you now are aware and I'm aware and let me catch up. That's number one. But definitely don't slow down. That's what he said to me. Do not Mm -hmm. slow down. Do not hold yourself back. What a great man. Yeah. And he goes, or number two, this is my husband. He goes, I'll move out and I'll be there. I'll be your best friend. I'll be the one you can call. You, I'll be there every single day for you because I want you to be happy more than anything in life. And I was like, oh my God. Were you like, this is so hot. Let's go French. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, you're literally like, I mean, he was the guy next door. He lived next door to me in this duplex and we were friends for three years. But I was like in pain because there was a part and we're still in this growing thing. We're still figuring. So I was like, I don't know what the hell to do with this thing called here's where I'm at. Here's the level of the video game that I'm playing all the time in my inner work with my life and my and like, here's where you are. But he's so kind and he's so good and he's so steadfast. And then I was like, wow, I think I only even became this person because wow, like what a genuine human. So like that's probably part of the rock star effect of how I got to do anything, but it's not easy and it is a mind trip to go through it. But I love that you were brave and vulnerable and shared that because I think for a lot of women, they have not admitted that to themselves, that the dynamic they have in their relationship is that they've given more control away than they actually want to. And they don't know what will happen. If they step into their sexy, fierce power and they're like, uh, I don't know if he'll be emasculated. I don't know if this will end. That is scary shit. I was living with that mm-hmm. on some level for years. And then we would have to like recalibrate. And then it just like, it's like the gap was so wide. I didn't, I actually felt kind of alone in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So I think this is something that we have to talk about more and more. So do you want to share a little bit more of how you guys have found your way back to a new place? Yeah, well, number one, I was choking on the poison (laughs) that is anxiety and resentment. Like, I couldn't not say anything at that point. Like, I was just, like, withering away. My spirit was withering away. I was withering away. My power was withering away. I wasn't a good... I just was not my best self. And I knew I just didn't have the courage to bring it up to anyone, truthfully. Like, so I processed it by myself in my notes app just like trying to find clarity and feeling so much shame around it. Yeah. And as I started to talk about it, I mean, since I've started talking about it, I mean, my clients have seen me. They saw me in some mess at my own retreat because I was just a sad bear. I couldn't hide it. I was just like, I don't care if you see me in this anymore. Like I am dying trying to cover this up. I just refuse to anymore. Like it's not who I am. I'm not in a good place. I need to be able to do something about this and talk to someone. And so I finally started opening up about it, which funny enough, like when you're in it, you're like, I can't talk to anyone about it. I feel so much shame. But then when you finally start talking about it, it's like the shame dissipates because you're finally bringing it to life. And then you start hearing from other women of like, I'm in that too. You know what I mean? It's been wild to see how many people have reached out to me after I've started talking about my journey with Josh and our marriage. Like, Someone came to me and they said, I would love to talk to you about this if you're open to it. And I was like, absolutely. Like, have you talked to anyone else? And they're like, no, because you chose to stay. And I was like, I'm an open book. Like, I am an open book because, I mean, no shade to anyone who chooses to leave. Like, in all honesty, I was out. (laughs) I was out. I did not. I have said to Josh multiple times, we just had our 15 year anniversary. And I said to him, I didn't even know you had this level in you. Like, I didn't know 
you would respond to this the way you have. I thought we were done. I was like, I know this no longer works for me. Like I've been in the mess for so long. Like I just, and it was like, again, from a human perspective, like initiated something and him with a responding type responded. And it's like, he, it's like he had a giant awakening. It's like his skin looks different. Like he's brighter. His energy is lighter. Like he, and he said to me, he's like, I'll be forever grateful that you did this because I've been asleep at the wheel for years. And like, he has just owned it and like leaned into it. And it's just like, I never knew it could be this good. I honestly didn't know our marriage could be this good. I was shocked. Wow. I thought the only way to experience this was going to be with someone else. I never thought it could be with my husband because we were so, we were going like this and it was like deeply concerning. And so I opened up a conversation. I mean, I had a whole note written. Oh my God. Just like. Are you ready? I have a note, you know, because I didn't want to like go off, <laughs> off topic and whatnot. But it was wow. like I'm so proud of myself, and I'm so proud of us. Both of us were saying that last night when we were like soaking it in, looking at old memories from 15 years ago when we met. And I'm like, look at these babies. They never like, they did not have this emotional intelligence or courage or strength to navigate some of the shit we've had to navigate you know like we've gone to bat for each other and i am so proud of us like i love him more than i've ever loved him and i just that came off the back of taking a really scary step and like having the courage to go all in on yourself and like what you want for your life because if you're anything like me like i just could no longer settle for a life that felt like it no longer fit for me i was just like no i love myself way too much to have this be the rest of my life. I fucking refuse to do it. It's so huge. I, I can relate to all of that. I think it's really powerful for all of us. And I think what's such a beautiful reminder is that you didn't realize at a certain point that you could say out loud what you need and be willing to receive it however it was going to come. And it's similar in your business too. Right. Mm -hmm. It's, it really is how you do one thing. It's how you do everything. But it's like you have to do that deep work first where you're like, I am going to say out loud and with everything that I am, I'm going to share what it is that is what I need. And I'm going to be willing to receive it no matter what, whether people need to exit, whether this, whatever it is, like that is the rite of passage of becoming yourself. And I agree. I mean, I'm drinking a green smoothie right now because. So much of, you know, what I needed, it wasn't just immaterial. It was also like, I said to him, I'm like, you know what, NASCAR, when the car comes around and you need to like tune it up and give it new tires, I'm like, because I'm doing so much, it's like, just think ahead, like go get me a smoothie in the morning, like make sure that the kids have eaten, like don't drag your feet if something, because our roles changed four years ago, yeah. we stopped working and then I was working and then I was like also still holding orthodontist appointments and if there were eggs in the fridge and I was like I can't run a 10 million dollar business and also feel like the kids are only going to get out the house and brush their hair I'm like mm-hmm. no you know and so I would just get resentful and I'd be like the only way for me is out like that's the only way until yes. finally it was like wait why don't I just say it out loud here's what I need and yes. then here's the hard part because I was so resentful for a while I had to be willing to actually receive it there was a period where I was like, no, no, you can't even come correct. Cause, and then it was like, hang on. 
I need to be told and I need the chance to like make good on it and I'll get it. Just give me a list or tell me. And I think sometimes we're not good delegators as women. Like we. Oh, yeah. I literally just talked about this with our marriage coach. I was like, I know you guys are saying like, I don't need to be in provider energy, but like, I still do kind of, but we are the glue. And so that when you're telling me like receive, let him be in provider energy, I'm like, that's lovely. I get it. And like, it is still in me to be like, you know, I'll just check this. I'll just do that. I'll just blah, blah, blah. Like I almost like steamroll. You know, what was one of my biggest shifts though around this as you're talking about resentment, because I, oh, I was drowning in it. I had a facilitator say to me, well, what's the emotion under resentment? And I was like, uh, anger, hatred, <laughs> like, which one do you want? I have Disgust. them all. <laughs> and she goes, no, it's jealousy. And I was like, what? And I realized, holy shit, I am jealous because I prioritize his emotional state, his stress, his sleep his energy, his desires, his goals, his dreams. And then I give myself the scraps. And so I am the cause of the resentment. And once that clicked for me, I was like, holy shit. I love that. I want this aligned for me is because of, not because of me, but like, it is also because of me. Because I have never, I struggle to speak my needs or used to I want to say this out loud because I've heard so many women say it and you just open the door to it. When my husband and I got married, he was an attorney and he was making more money than I was. I was a songwriter. I was doing okay, but he was making more. And then I had this thought, which was so stupid. And I hear so many women say it and I just want to call it out now. My thought was, oh, I thought it was so amazing, this thought. I used to say it all the time. I was so proud of it. I used to say, I'm going to retire my husband. I'm going to retire him as if that's good for him. That is horrible for him. Okay. It is literally the worst thing for his mental health. We tried it. He went back to work last week. We need less money than we've ever needed. He is at work. He needs to work. Okay. But I had what you have. I was like, cause when we were, when we were first together, he like bought the car and he did it. And I was like, I got to put him first. He's got, I don't know. This is like thousands of years of generational trauma. So totally then I'm though. like trying to make sure like, don't wake daddy or then, you know what I mean? And it's like, and then I started yes. this and I'm like, I'm going to do all of this so that you are just bloofed out all the time. It's like, for what? Are you kidding? Mm-hmm. Why? You know, and then at the it, sake of what I was like, you can now go do all the things you wanted to do. You don't have to be a lawyer anymore. You can do your dreams and your passion. And then two years in, I was like, I don't get it. He doesn't work. Mm-hmm. He sits around. He's like, he's not a video game player, but like he's on his phone, you know, whatever he's doing. And I'm like taking the kids here and doing this. Of course I was resentful. And he goes, you this monster. You begged me to quit. You begged me. You were like, you don't need that. And I was like, what was I trying to prove? It was like, I was just going to say proving like that was rooted in proving and significance. I think that's the power. Like, this is why. So for example, like one thing I've had to work through in my business is my retreats aren't super businessy. Like, I don't want it to be super businessy. Yeah. They're good. They're making millions of dollars. They don't mm-hmm. need more stuff to do. Mm-hmm. But what they do need is the energetics, the healing, 
the power, the emotional intelligence. And that is every, you want to go to the next level, work on your emotional intelligence. It is not a hack or a strategy or a funnel or a team member. It is your own inner power and harnessing that and owning it and expressing it and rooting into it in a way that is like peaceful, not proving, you know, not trying to like, I can retire my husband because I'm that successful. You don't have to do anything. I've got it all. Like that is rooted in trying to be significant. It's, it's so, so huge true. once you realize it, you know, yeah. it gives yeah. you your, your power back. Oh my God, it totally does. And I, we, we moved into this like giant house and it's not a house. It's like a mansion. Like this house is 10,000 square feet overlooking Mulholland. I mean, it's actually, it's like the dreamy LA like life. And I was hysterical. I had three panic attacks in a row and I've never had a panic attack. And why? Because I had this thought, which was, am I really? like truly in my core happier mm. than I was when I was for a second, just for a second. When we first got married, like I let myself be taken care of and I had one baby and I would take her out and I would come back and we lived in this cute little townhouse. I mean, we rented it and I'd walk, you know, to the park and I was just like, oh my God, like, like boy, did I go on an adventure just to like ask myself, like, are you really happier? I think in yeah. some ways I'm way happier is the truth. In some ways I've just grown so much. I see so much more reality. I feel sure. deeply in You become purpose, more of yourself. Which is really a cool thing. But I do feel that there is an element when you really look under the hood at somebody's business, especially when they're making multiple millions, because let's face it, you can live really, really nicely making a million bucks. So once somebody's making multiples of that, a little baby bit of trauma that that's being built on typically. And it's nice when you can notice it and clean it up because then you can actually scale it faster and better. Huge. And you can, you can just enjoy it in a different way. In fact, we had a friend over the other night. I won't say who it is, but he's not a millionaire. He's a billionaire. (laughs) Oh, was that it? (laughs) No, that's it. And he was like, I live in a smaller house than this. I'm very happy there. My wife can't stand it. We had the same couch from like 1970. We were laughing and did the, and he was just like, I don't have that because I don't know. I just don't have that. And I was like, Oh my God, you have peace. You have peace yes. and a billion dollars. What the hell is that about? Right. Yeah. And I look, it's all fun and in me. And it's an amazing adventure to like clean all this stuff up. But this is why I knew you'd love Jill because she's just willing. Talk about the word willing. She used it before. She's willing to be successful and she's also willing to be brutally honest, which is why she's the best person to be a facilitator of helping other women to gather. So just to wrap up this piece, tell everybody where they can follow along with you and be a part of your world. Before I do that, let's just quick say one last thing. Please do. When you said peace. So I've been doing this work for myself. I started doing it last year. It's like trying to understand the essence of success for me. Mm-hmm. And I was just with someone who is doing 15-ish mil mm-hmm. and they are hella driven to go to 20. And I said, for what? What's the oh, reason? Like question. to show yourself what you're made of or like for contribution, for significance, like what is the essence of that success for you? And she didn't know. And I've been doing a lot of this. And if you don't know, you're just going to keep pushing for what? Just because you should. You know, and she's like, but my team, like, we're all rallied around 20 mil. And I was like, that's great. 
If you think it's coming from like a strategy though, you're missing the mark. It's coming from this work. An extra five mil when you're at 15 isn't that much. I know that sounds ridiculous, but like it really isn't that mind blowing. Like you can do it. No problem. You've already made 15. You can definitely make 20. But it doesn't necessarily come from doing the things. It comes from being the person and doing the deeper work. And I think creating or getting clear on the essence of success for you is a huge one. And so for me, when I did this, I it was like very immediate for me. The essence of success for me is peace. And so how do I find and incorporate a moment of peace into my day every single day? How can I live that now so that I am living a successful life now, not constantly pushing it off until I get there or until I like crack the code? No, it's like, I'm living a peaceful life now. I live in such a beautiful place in Thailand. I fucking love my life. I have more peace, way less stress, way less anxiety because I'm doing what I want, where I want, around who I want. And like, it's enough for me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm always going to not push for more, not chase more, but like become and create more because I am just the type of person who has like almost like an internal pressure or like urge to continue to expand. I just like the thrill of that. I like seeing who I can become. But at the root of it all, I want peace. And so I offer like for everyone to do that work for themselves. Like, What is the essence of success for you? And then how can you start to infuse your day on the daily with that? It's so big. I want to just comment. I mean, that is the most important thing that you can say it's more important than teaching people anything about their sales or their exact. <laughs> that's what we're really yeah. all after. And my husband said to me a couple of days ago, I was supposed to run an event. I do a lot of philanthropy work and I really like it. And I, I just find that I, I take it on a lot. I take it on. So I'll be involved in like four different things and I host the events and I raise money at the events and I help them with other things. And the other day I was on the phone with someone and he goes, you're not doing it. He's like, give me the phone. He goes, Hey, he goes, you guys are the best. So here's the thing. She can't do this one. She's not. And I was like, stop, give me the phone. He's like, she can't do it this time. And you know what? Um, we'll find someone else who can do it or you, you guys will find it, but it's going to be amazing. And I was so mad. And then he's like, what good is this when you mm-hmm. don't sit by the pool? You don't actually mm-hmm. stop. Like he goes, even if you stop making money all year, first of all, you'll be fine. And yeah. second of all, I go, but it's so much money to spend and not make more. And he was like, no, you, it, he goes, what would it be worth? He's like, what would it be worth if you needed it for your health? What would it be worth? Mm-hmm. All of it. Just enjoy it. He goes, what if you spend all of this just to actually stop and go in the pool every day? You know, so I've been going in the pool like twice a day and we've been playing basketball every night on our basketball court. And he's like, yep. And I'm going to make sure that you don't host an event next week. Like you're not allowed to. It's an interesting dynamic as you start to grow and then you realize like, oh, this beautiful gift you have called the life you've designed, you might be programmed to like, yeah, you might be programmed to like not even receive it once you've worked so hard to get it. And that's an even more complex way of not loving yourself, you know? So I think these conversations are essential. Was there part of you as a manifester who's like, love you, you're so sweet. I mean, I'm a manifester, so I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> well, that's the other thing is that I often think I'm so, 
I'm so good at manifesting that I that I sometimes think like you don't get it because he's a generator. So I'm like, I can be like Elsa, like I can just do this and like create fractals, and it actually is just I, I 3D print it from a thought. So I'm like, it's easy for me to do that part. Just mm-hmm. let me do it, and I like doing it because every time I initiate something, it's like on a video game. I get more life force because that's what I'm yes. supposed to do. Yes. So I'm like, initiate, yes. initiate, 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 except for sex. I don't initiate that at all. Um, but otherwise I initiate <laughs> I just receive the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually though, when I do initiate sex, which is very rare, I like it way better. So I, I, I made a mental note. I'm like, just initiate it because I'm such a manifester mm-hmm. that I enjoy everything I better when I initiate it. it. Yeah. Cause it's what we're supposed to do. It's like how we're supposed to operate. But I also like in if we're going to go down this road, I know I have to bounce soon. But like if we are going to like talk about sex for a second, I also love the urge to be in my feminine in that like have me. <laughs> you know? and so I often think, especially for like high performing women, like powerful women, it's like we almost want to control that, too. But it is such a beautiful lesson in surrender to just like totally. It's important. I mean, that's why I love that you're creating these groups and these communities. I love that you're out in the world. I think that these conversations, they have to happen in tandem. You can't just work on crushing it and building a business and starting a podcast Mm -hmm. and not at the same time have a real conversation about everything that's happening inside. Because if you don't deal with this, you'll blow up everything good that you're making. Yes. So great. Such a fun gift to be with you. I love chatting with you. Yeah, you're the best. Tell everybody where they can be with you and find out all the things. Yeah. So the easiest way to connect with me is over on IG at the Millionaire Girls Club. And then my site is millionairegirlsclub.com. You can check out like a little video of our retreats if you're at a million. And if you're working towards your first million, then I have her first million, which is debuting starting with a starter offer, 44 bucks, walking my talk. Um, and then it'll go into an immersion program. When is that? So when does it kick off? Way. When does it kick off? Her first million immersion kicks off in November and it's a hybrid of one-on-one group and a luxury retreat. So it's going to be a cool experience. And then okay. I have a podcast starting. I feel as though we need to jam for that cat that's launching next week. And so that's very much around personal power. Just like everything that we've been talking What's about. What's it going to be called? Millionaire Girls Club. Amazing. Well, this is so good. And I'm going to keep sending people your way. And thank you for being everything you are. You're such thank a giant, you. giant gift. Love you so much. Thank you so much. Have an amazing rest of your day. Bye, ladies. Thanks for having me. How amazing is she? She's such a gift. All right, here are the takeaways. Number one, your power comes from cultivating your emotional intelligence. You become unshakable. Number two, there's a lot of power in who you decide to be. Who is that version of you? What decisions does she make? What standards does she hold? What boundaries does she have? What actions does she take? When you believe that you are that woman, it fuels your thoughts, your feelings, your decisions, and your actions. That's where it starts. Number three, care about what the people you care about, care about. Serve the heck out of them. You can charge for that. There's no shame in that. Number four, don't worry about being worthy because you already are. It's you're done. You are worthy. Number five, your willingness and ability to embrace discomfort is directly correlated to the amount of expansion that you were willing to experience. Contrast is a thrill of entrepreneurship. It's the stresses and the successes. You wouldn't know one without the other. Number six, have the courage to think, how good can I get? How peaceful can this be? How easy can it be? How brave can I be? How big can I be? Show yourself what you're capable of. Number seven, don't wait to feel worthy. Don't wait for the right time. There's never going to be a right time. You are the right time. Number eight, if you want to go to the next level, then work on your emotional intelligence. It's not a hack. It's not a strategy or a funnel or a team member. 
It's your own inner power and harnessing it and owning it and expressing it and rooting it into the way that feels like it's peaceful. It's not about proving. It's about that inner peace. You don't have to do anything really. And number nine, get clear on the essence of success for you. Infuse it into your everyday. Thank you guys so much for listening. I know I say it all the time, but I really, really mean it. Thank you. Thank you for being here. We have so many great episodes that are coming up and you do not want to miss them. So please follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening. And if you're a fan of what we do, please let us know. Please follow along and leave a review and share it. Maybe you can think of one person who would appreciate this episode. Email them the link or text them the link or you could post about this on your Instagram. And last thing, last thing this week, Amy Porterfield is doing this phenomenal live training, many days of live training. It's all going to be so helpful. You're going to have so many light bulb moments. Do it with a friend. Get in there. It's only $47, kathyheller.com slash Amy. And when you register through that link, you're going to get extra bonuses from me as well. I'll leave you with a song of mine and I'll talk to you soon. Sunday nights, I would go for a drive And the hills were lit up with their twinkling lights There was a place at a table Someone was waiting for everyone but me And then you came along with your bittersweet eyes All of the heartache you'd seen in your time And we'd 